Hello and welcome to our first Voice of the Region of 2022. I'm Jim Larkin, I'm a regional researcher with EG and as always I'll be looking to get the lowdown on what commercial real estate is like in a particular corner of the UK and who better to ask than a regional agent flying high in its radius on demand rankings. Uh, this time we are returning to the northeast, where my guest is Nick Bramwell, uh, senior surveyor in Bradley Hall's Newcastle office. Uh, in terms of deals numbers, Nick is the top individual deal maker for the broad northeast region for the whole of 2021 uh, with 58 transactions across the line in what was a tough old year. Uh, Bradley Hall itself is in the top five agents for space transacted in Tyne and Weir and number one in Northumberland so they're kind of a big deal. Uh, Nick hello how are you? Hi Jim yes really good thank you. Now um, Bradley Hall uh, it's been going for about about 30 years um, just as an introduction can you just talk through the range of services you offer and the geographic spread of the work you do? Yeah, so Bradley Hall, um, Northeast Northeast Agency, um, largest independent in the Northeast, um, multidisciplinary. So we've got we work right across the board, right across the whole of the Northeast. Um, it, it's all sectors. So we look at agency, which is supposed to be my department. We've got valuation teams, building, surveying, planning, property management. So it, it's about offering a, a round services for for all clients and um, all aspects of, of property and, and property developments. Sure. Okay. Uh, now, um, what would you say makes the Northeast special? I mean, what do you enjoy most about uh, doing business there? Well, as you can probably tell from the accent, I'm, I'm <laughs> Northeast based myself um, and have been and studied up in, in Northumbria University up in Newcastle and uh, started my placement year at, at Bradley Hall and continued on. And and I think the, the, the positives of the Northeast, and I think which is probably seen further afield as well, is, is the people in the Northeast. And I think in in such a job as agency, you know, it's a it's a very people focused business. It's it's everyday dealings with people from all different backgrounds, whether that you know landlord side, tenant side, and everything in between. So, it, I think it's the character of the people, um, the, the spirit of of the northeast, and and especially in times such as we've had, and you know, in, in the lockdown period, and it's it's every it's very much everybody rallies together. And we're all in the same boat, and. In terms of the property market, I think the northeast is one where there's there's never great peaks and troughs, but it's a it's a steady market which will continue to be resilient, um, prosper in the good times, but be resilient in the in the not so good times. Great stuff. Okay. Um, now you um, personally you operate across retail offices and industrial, um, so I guess you're kind of well placed to give us an overall appraisal. Um, how's the the market in the northeast currently? Which sectors are thriving and which are kind of finding things a bit more difficult. Yes, it seems really busy and that has continued um, since sort of the lockdown period and we started coming out of that. Um, similarly to, to probably what is nationally, I think the, the industrial and, and logistics sector is is at levels which I certainly as a surveyor have never seen, both in sort of activity, values, prices, demand, and then with that, the, the now lack of supply. Um, so I think you know, further furthest out there would I would say would be the the industrial, but but seeing that in, in conversations with with colleagues and other agents and looking at the, the office market as well, that there seems to be a a great deal of activity and which is which is positive to see. Obviously, into that lockdown first initial lockdown period and people working from home, I think that was probably the main concern. But 
but but as things have progressed and you know things are opening back up people are back in the office and i think probably the realization of, of working from home doesn't work for everybody is we've started start to see these numbers creep back up and i think i suspect looking at the, the the draft figures for the for the last quarter will probably help strengthen that argument as well and, and sort of highlight that in a bit more detail where not only are our numbers and occupational sizes increasing it's also probably the the quality of the space is increasing as well and and whether that's a shift of focus from from occupiers thinking perhaps we can be a little bit more flexible perhaps we can have staff working home from one two days a week and therefore instead of taking a 10,000 square foot office for example they may look at at taking 8,000 square foot unit but we don't we want better breakout space we want collaboration space and and everything that comes with it better quality of space and it's you know very much the the attraction of staff retaining of key staff uh what, what we've seen i think is a, is a lot of sort of technology-based businesses up in the northeast as well and a particular focus with you know the, the newcastle helix site and and so on where i think that those are the areas and type of companies which are are, are also trying to attract the best staff in the region but possibly also staff from out of the region as well um, so I think it's important that, you know, occupiers get that right and it just gives them that little advantage inside the inside the city. Sure. OK. Um, now, I mean, you mentioned logistics there. I mean, almost every agent I've spoken to around the country has said that's been the kind of most bulletproof and, you know, thriving in very difficult times. Um, are you kind of heavily involved with that? Is, does that make up a large part of what you do? It does. Yes. Yeah. The, the, I mean, as you say every agent is the same and, and probably seeing the same thing it's you know we wish there was more stock mm. available um and, you know in, in hindsight it's one of those things a wonderful thing but if you could have said to some of your clients two three five years ago you know get your money into the uh, logistics and industrial stuff there'll be uh, plenty of happy clients out there mm. um but yeah as you say bulletproof it's been resilient um i suspect in in my own predictions is probably that is going to continue um, it seems, especially in the northeast, there is a lot of planned development for further space, which is which is certainly encouraging. Um, and if the trends continue anything like they are now, I suspect they will get snapped up sooner rather than later. And and hopefully that moves everything on a, a bit as well. Sure. Okay. Um, what's the kind of broader industrial picture like? I mean, other, you know, other than log- logistics, which sectors within the industrial market are flourishing? To be honest, probably across the board, across the board and all, whether it's, you know, manufacturing, um, transport, obviously logistics, e-commerce, we're, not, we're seeing a, another thing which we're seeing is, is probably a, we're becoming a little bit of a hybrid. So perhaps mm. when industrial units, you would see, you know, open plan, warehouse space, good eaves height, uh, little, and then you'd maybe have a little small office in the corner. Whereas a lot of developers, I think, are, are looking at the, the bigger picture now, and it's perhaps a bit of a mix in, in combination between the two. So whether that's, you know, a warehouse space on the ground floor um, with the upper floors then converted to an office, and we're just having a little bit of, so it's, it's light industrial, a little bit of storage space, but you've got your back of house functions on the same site. And, and I think that's quite attractive to people because historically, as I say, that's been split between warehouse, maybe on one site, office, maybe a few miles down the road. And again, that just sort of collaborative working between the two spaces is, you know, a lot more attractive for, for certain business types. 
Excellent. Okay. Um, if we move on to offices a little bit, um, how bad did things get uh, in the northeast for them at the start of the pandemic, um, and to what extent have things recovered? So, in, in terms of the office market, I think the fear around what was going to happen to the market was probably worse than the reality. There was a there was a lot of tenants and, and landlords who were very proactive in that sense and entered into negotiations with each other fairly early on. So whether that was landlords approaching tenants and saying, look, can we possibly have a, a short term rent free period just to just to get us over this blip, just to see what's going to happen? Obviously, a bit of uncertainty, perhaps that was compensated by a removal of a break or an extended lease term. So ideally, you know, the landlord retains the, the, the value in the asset or, or increases that in a future at a future point, but a, a little bit of a short term pain. Um, but as a little bit of a concession just to keep everybody happy, keep everybody ticking along um, and just allow everything to, to sort of settle and, and get back into the to the normal routine of life. Mm, OK, so you kind of, yeah, you talk about both sides being re reasonable um, and both kind of coming out on top. Definitely. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, every business, business was different. And, and I think there is businesses which have repositioned completely. And there is instances where some have gone totally working from home. But I think on the flip side, as alluded to earlier, I think that collaborative mix of home working in the office and being in the office, I think, is still important in the majority of businesses. So I think that has continued. But again, the, the refocus of, of better quality space, as I think is certainly attractive to businesses as, as it probably was pre-COVID. OK, I mean, how different are the kind of typical terms you're agreeing or signing off these days uh, compared to pre-pandemic? I mean, are they shorter, more flexible? I think more flexible. And I think that was the market was sort of heading that way pre-COVID. And there was the emergence of um, serviced office accommodation or semi-serviced office accommodation where there was, there was smaller suites, flexible terms, easy in and out. And I think not only that, did that account for maybe a little bit of uncertainty from tenants, and I think, you know, it's often a, a big leap, but I think in terms of potential growth, I think there's been a, a lot of businesses in the Northeast which have grown exponentially in a very short period of time. And I think the, the worry from from entrepreneurs and such who, who will enter into business negotiations and business leases who maybe don't want to get stuck into these into these leases and be committed for a, you know, a, a traditional 10 year or, or for the five year break. Um, there seems to be a lot more focus on a bit more bit more flexibility and and that is the attraction for for a lot of businesses sure. okay um what's the supply of office stock looking like um because I know a lot of the sort of older office buildings in Newcastle city center have kind of been sold off redeveloped as student accommodation um is there enough kind of supply of new stock coming online yeah there's there's a lot of there's a lot of development in in the pipeline certainly um i think obviously we've got the the, the pilgrim street development bank house 120,000 square feet of, of brand new grade a offices at, at one end of the city um the helix newcastle helix site which i mentioned before as well at the other side of the city um and it's hundreds of thousands of square feet in development and it's really sort of cutting edge brand new space mm. um as you say you know the likes of Grey Street and like have, have got a great grand history in the in the city, uh, but the spaces aren't quite as flexible, or you don't have the floor plates of 10,000 square feet plus. So it, it's always good to see see cranes up, and you know there's always things happening there, which is which is again positive. Um, you know the recent news of the, the announcement of HMRC to the to the Pilgrim Street site, 9,000 jobs right in the heart of the city centre is uh, is wonderful news for the for the whole area. 
good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of with with occupiers looking for for different things from offices, it's probably easier to build those if you build it from scratch rather than converting a you know hundred year old building or whatever. Definitely, yeah, and I think I think that that's the key. But 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 even even those those landlords who perhaps have you know the older Grade B stock as, as we may call it and they're at a point where they could be refurbished there's a lot of good quality refurbishment going on in the in the city center as well so i think as a consequence of this new development and the increasing headline rents i think there's more appetite from investors and developers to say actually i'm going to spend some money on this building i'm going to make it as good as quality as anything that's new coming out the ground which which again i think in a way is is pushed the level of all office accommodation up in, up in the northeast in, in the Newcastle city centre especially where there's there's now a sort of level that's been set and you need to really achieve that level if you want to get the to a certain rent or, or a certain tenant profile. Mm, sure okay um, if we move on to uh, retail then um, retail's had it tough everywhere I guess or high street retail anyway um, are there any types that have kind of proved more resilient than others within the northeast? Yes I mean I think everybody knows you know, nationally the struggles that that retailers have had and um you know it has been a, a very difficult period for them i think from our point of view in, in looking in practice you know we've got a, a management um, team who will look after a number of, of neighborhood retail parades and you know local coastal towns or northumberland county towns and and so on and so forth which i think there's a, a bit of a focus from from occupiers and, and customers to say well actually let's shop local again and I think mm. that the, the first wave of that pandemic, where it was very much, you know, we'll, we'll walk to the butchers, we'll walk to the news agents, and I think that's a that's been a key part of, of recovery in the market um, at, at sort of local level, um, which is which is great to see. And I think that sort of intertwined with the the experiential side of of shopping as well and, and the customer experience um i mean one of the the things that we've been involved with over the last few years has been the the stack developments the one in newcastle um and the one in seaburn as well which again is, is a mix of you know there's retail um there's leisure there the food outlets but it, it's all about that experiential experience where you know someone can come along they can go shopping they can have a coffee have a drink grab some food and i think tying all that together is just providing a, a better all-round service. Mm. Stack, it's one of those um, shipping container redevelopment sites, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, so the, the, they're they're absolutely fantastic. I see they've, they've been popping all over um, all over the UK for for a little yeah. while now. But the the one in Newcastle that, that we've got right just next to my office here is uh, right in the heart of the city centre, so right at the bottom of Northumberland Street. Um, fantastic development, and it's just been bringing something completely new to to the area. Um, but again, it, it was a, it was a real focus by Danielli Holdings and the team Neil Winch and Gemma Dishman there who who run and operate the site, and it's a very community based. So it's it's picking you know getting the best of the independent retailers and food operators and in the city and giving them that opportunity to thrive, an opportunity to do well, and you know the, the footfall that the stack brings itself is brilliant and, and just gives everybody that little bit of a, a push to to do the best they can. Yeah, I mean, how important is kind of independent retail to a town? I mean, I think I think we've seen a lot of we've seen demise of a lot of the kind of traditional, you know, monolithic high street chains. Um, kind of, do you feel like um, if they're replaced by independence, it kind of gives people more of a reason to visit a place? Absolutely, and I think we we probably got to a period 
where you'll go around many shopping centres all over the UK. Yeah, and you know, exactly like, you, you'll usually see exactly the same operators, the same shops, and you think, well, what am I really getting different <laughs> here? It, it, and I think that's again that comes down to that, ex, that you know that experience of, of going to different places and trying new things, which probably in a way you know in, in European cities when you when you go abroad, it's 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 trying something different, and that's always part of the attraction. Um, so I, I think I think it is vitally important, and, and I think you know it's it's probably hopefully an opportunity for for landlords and developers to think independent is, is you know is, a, is another option it, it doesn't always have to be i know you you know people are restricted by banking covenants and this that and the other but but hopefully the aftermath of covid can can show that independence can thrive in city centers and town centers and like okay um now i mean we hear a lot about how high streets are going to have to reinvent themselves beyond just pure retail if they're going to have a future you know with more leisure options more residential use and stuff like that um are you seeing much evidence of that happening within the towns and cities across the northeast yes yeah, certainly I, I think it's you know there's something going to have to be done i think there's there's obviously well publicized um, operators who, who've left um, city centres, town centres, Newcastle's no different from those. And I think it's just now strategically, how do you get the best out of those spaces again? Because, you know, I don't think we want to go down that same avenue of just getting another typical high street occupier in and, and same thing happen again. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a combination of, say, you mentioned sort of leisure there. So if we get food, restaurant, bars, you know, Newcastle's quite a, a social destination as, as such and social attraction for, from other cities as well. And and I think that, that leisure scene, you know, if that can be s- supported, I mean, those guys have, have probably just had as, as worst time as anybody in th- throughout the COVID. Um, but hopefully as things are, are starting to open back up and you know, the people of the northeast like to like to spend the money and you know well known for going out and and uh, and having a good time so if, if we can tie all that in together and, and, and whether that's an element of, of residential and, and city center living which is you know repeatedly being discussed um could be a nice opportunity to tie those all together I mean, one example is, is gray street has is recently been pedestrianized and is in the is in the midst of a, of a transformation so there's a lot of really good operators um leisure operators restaurant operators down there who i think given the backing and given the support from the council could really make a you know a really good cosmopolitan cafe culture as such again what you may see in, in european cities if we can bring that obviously minus the weather of course but uh, <laughs> not much but, you can do about that not much you can do about that but but i think but i think if we you know if if there's a, if there's a joint effort from, from everybody involved i think there is the opportunity now to, to make something really special Cool, good stuff. Okay. Um, now, um, Southerners like me, um, quite often they're surprised when they look at a map of the Northeast and realise that the gap between Newcastle and the, the border with Scotland is absolutely massive. There's loads of land. Um, and that's basically Northumberland, uh, where your well, Bradley Hall is miles out in front of the rest of the radius community, um, with, I think, 200,000 square feet transacted across 60 deals last year. Um, what's that market like? What businesses are doing well there at the moment? And which towns provide most of the action? So North Northumberland, a beautiful area, and, and mm. I think it's it's been good to see. And I think uh, during the lockdown period, a lot more people have got to, to experience that for themselves. Um, I mean, res- residential markets in Northumberland, very much like logistics and commercial, has just gone off the scale. Um, but again, with that brings the commercial element to it. So you've got the market towns such as Morbeth and Annick, which are you know are, are absolutely key for 
for, for, for seasonal holiday makers, but, but all year round now, I think there's a, there's a great focus there. Um, you know, Brad, as of Bradley Hall, we've been involved in, in Northumberland for, for many years now, and, it, and we really have seen that growth move on year on year almost. Um, so th- there's a lot going on, and, and I think we've been further supported by uh, British Folds. Obviously, the, the announcement um, last year, I think, was in, in terms of their gigaplant uh, development there, which, I mean, God, the, the scale of it alone, I think, I, I was reading the other day, I think it's the size of 50 football pitches. Wow. So it's, you know, quite, 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 quite a sizable scheme in Northumberland. And with that, I think there's, you know, 3000 plus jobs. But again, the infrastructure now is, uh, that's that's joining with that with, with the council in terms of rail access. Um, no doubt there'll be additional residential housing developments there as well. So, again, all just sort of fantastic news for the region as a whole and, and really helps to sort of put us on the map, especially in that sort of industrial um, marketplace. The authorities there tend to be quite pro-development. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, obviously Northumberland County Council has been heavily involved with British Vault and, and, and done a, a fantastic job in, in securing that. But similarly, Sunderland City Council, the development that's gone on Sunderland in the last few years is, is just been you know, absolutely fantastic. The, the old Borg site, there's the, the office buildings that are absolutely flying up there. You know, occupation is is on the rise. Um, there's been a, a lot of movement with, with the train station and, and everything. And, and similarly, Teesside, um, you know, the mayor of Teesside is, you know, continuously putting out the good news and, you know, whether, whether that was the, the airport announcements, you know, bringing jobs to the area, uh, in just the general infrastructure, it's it, it, it's all happening, and I think it comes down to that sort of collaboration with the large stakeholders in these in these cities, um, with a mix of the independents and, and retailers and tenants that we already have here. You know, really good special things can be can be done. Sure. Okay. Um, now, on a practical level, um, the northeast as an area is pretty big. Um, are you finding you're spending as much time in the car as you used to, or does the fact that everyone's now quite, you know, tech savvy and can all use Teams, does that mean that you know you don't have to travel quite as much? Not, not as much. I think it, it's opening back up now. I think there was a period where every meeting was a Zoom meeting, and mm. I, I think it got to a point where I think me, meetings for meetings' sake as such. And uh, it's a bit it, much, wasn't it? It is a bit much. It is a bit much. <laughs> it, and, and it goes back to my thing, which I mentioned at, at the very start, just in terms of people in this profession, we're dealing with people every day, and I think the best way, you know, to, to get things done, get projects moving, get deals done, is is, is speaking with people, meeting them out on site having these face-to-face conversations so, so that's a, that's certainly my preference and I think at every opportunity and when we've been allowed to um, and it's been available it is always key to get back on get back on site and, and face-to-face dealings. Sure okay um, now another thing about Bradley Hall is that you've got quite a sophisticated marketing setup there um, and you produce your own uh, quarterly magazine called Portfolio. Um, if anyone's not seen it, it's kind of way more sophisticated than you know your traditional corporate newsletter. Um, in that it's not just property, it's lifestyle, it's motoring, fashion, whatever, um, and it's got you know high production values and a big print run. Um, what value does that bring to you? 
Oh, absolutely massive. I mean, it's an absolutely fantastic uh, publication, Portfolio North. Um, I mean, I kind of take any credit myself. Director uh, Cassie Moyes is, um, you know, self-confessed queen of marketing. Um, but it, it's absolutely brilliant for the company as a whole. It, you know, it, the, the branding and profile building is is just off, off the scale, really. Um, it just helps us in all aspects, whether that's you know, introduction to new clients, um, you know, traffic towards the website, um, distribution of, of marketing. Um, it's just, it, it really has built, in, and I think she's got a, a, such a following now. I think the latest figures were, were 35,000 readers, um, plus thousands more online, and it, it's now become a, a bi-monthly publication as well. So it, it's very sort of business focused, so it's not all just Bradley Hall and you know mm. us shouting about what we're doing. There's a bit from from all around the northeast, and uh, it's a good opportunity to, to, to sort of show off what the northeast is doing, what's happening there, um, in sort of building on the on the back of success that uh, that sort of occurred already. Sure. Okay. Um, now on to uh, more important matters. Um, in October, Newcastle United they kind of became the richest club in the world, which must have um, you know been a huge boost to spirits around the city. Um, but how significant do you think that will be from a commercial property perspective? Because um, I'm thinking, as an example, um, uh, you know, uh, Manchester City got taken over in I think it's 2008 by you know huge amount of Middle Eastern wealth. Um, and now that whole area and that stadium has been completely regenerated is kind of unrecognisable from how it was. Um, do you think there's potential for something along those lines to happen in Newcastle? Yeah, I, I think it'll be absolutely fantastic. I mean, as a football fan, it was was absolutely fantastic news. Um, <laughs> and I think, but but I think in terms of regionally, hopefully, I think as we, as you say, you mentioned there, demonstrated by the Manchester City takeover, you know. That's that's been reflected in the in the city itself. Um, I think the good thing with the takeover as well is the, the Rubin brothers, who are who I believe maybe ten percent shareholders in the in the football club, do have a lot of holdings in the city centre. So the, the Pilgrim Street um, development, which I was mentioning before, where you know, the HMRC um, office development there as well, um, that's all part of uh, of their schemes. So I think they've got you know interest and in, you know got a stake in the city as well. So so not only pushing the football side of it i think in terms of regeneration of of the areas of the city um it is only good news and i think you know newcastle is, is one of those places where it's very intertwined with the with the football and i think it's always been recognized as that and i think there's this continued investment of the football club it lifts it lifts the whole city um in, in general and i think any sort of investment towards that and which filters through into the city is, is positive news for for everybody Good stuff okay um now um we're in january um but looking ahead to the rest of 2022 what are your plans going forward have you got any plans for to go after new markets or new territories i think it's, it's pretty much just expanding on, on on the good work that we've done already um i think you know we like to grow and you know as possibly shown by the sort of five six seven years of, of growth that we've had and you know, we've got an ambitious management team and, and directors who want to take the company forward. Um, but, but I think it's certainly just expanding into, into those markets, um, you know, try and get a bit a bigger foothold on on certain areas and making the introductions to new clients as well. And, you know, I think that's always an, an exciting part of, of being an agent and, and working on new projects and obviously a lot of pipeline, as I say, with, with logistic development, new office developments coming to market as well. So, you know, 
being the sort of multidisciplinary practice that we are, we've got a lot of a lot of people involved from different angles, and, and that collaboration of, of seeing a project from start to finish is uh, is always enjoyable. So hopefully, many more to come in 2022. Good stuff. Okay. Um, now also. Um, We've heard a lot of talk from the government about levelling up. Um, some would say, you know, it's mainly been talk. Um, but from your point of view, um, what do you think the government's top three priorities should be um, for improving the northeast in particular? I think one of the important ones, I think, going back to the to the retail, um, I think would be be a consideration on on a business fleet's reform. Um, I think it is possibly one of the, the key contributors to, towards the you know this supposed demise of the high street um and, and i think it's a big obstacle in you know attracting new um tenants and occupation in city centers and in particular shopping centers and in areas where you know business rates are substantial costs um so i think again it's another opportunity where where hopefully councils and, and governments can work together with the local stakeholders um, I know there has been a relaxation of, of business rates for, for occupiers and, and empty properties and so on um, during the pandemic, which, which I think has assisted greatly. But I still think there's room for more to be done. Um, and I think, you know, whatever money is, is raised as a result of that ultimately will get put back into the into the city and, you know, into the infrastructure in any event. So I think that would be a, an important part to see. Again. Likewise, I think the travel infrastructure, I think there's been some significant changes in the Northeast, you know, during the last 18 to 24 months. Um, I know there's a, a big uh, focus on emissions, um, you know, and I think it's the, the changing landscapes of the city centre, as we discussed, I think will ultimately will be determined by transport. Northeast specifically, you know, there's the pedestrianisation of, of, of central areas, um, but a focus on public transport as well. So, you know, I, I'm one of those, I'm, you know, for and against it in different ways. I think city centres have still got to be accessible, you know, by car as well. And, and I think that that is majorly important. But again, in, in terms of public transport, I think as long as that's supported, and I think, and there is enough investment to make that of sufficient quality. That then I think, then I think that can be a, can be a good thing. But but I just think important that it that it's done correctly, um, and a full job on that. Um, now, um, finally, um, last year you signed up to become a Radius Data Partner, um, which means you you know get to feature in the on-demand rankings and see how you're doing. Um, how are you finding using it, and how useful is that kind of comparison tool? Yeah, brilliant. It's it, it's nice and easy. I think it's you know we we can upload all the all the data there. We've got the information to hand, easily accessible, and it's been it's been quite entertaining having the uh, the leaderboards as well. So you know us, us agents are, are always together and and talking, and and it's a great bit of uh, pub chat. I would say <laughs> just as a bit of a tease to see who who's doing the deals, who's active, and um, but it but it's all it's all good fun between agents and uh, as I say a good laugh to see where people are at. Perfect, excellent. Okay, well on that jolly note, I think we'll bring things to a conclusion. Um, thank you, Nick, for your time and all your insights. Brilliant. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for that. Great stuff. Cheers. Cheers.